The dark web can be like a restaurant for identity thieves. Hi, ready to order? I'll have the driver's license number. Great, that comes with a home address or a birth date. Ooh, both, please. It can be dangerously easy to steal your identity. LifeLock by Norton makes it easy to help protect yourself. If you become a victim, we'll work to fix it. No one can monitor all transactions, but everyone can save up to 25% off their first year at LifeLock.com aware. Identity theft protection starts here. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Welcome. I'm so glad you can join us as we continue bringing the latest knowledge from today's leading experts to support your evolutionary process. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour's topic is spiritual healing, energy medicine, and science. On Mission Evolution, as we explore the evolution of human consciousness, we've often run across information about the mysterious energy fields surrounding the human body. There's increasing evidence that this body of energy can and does impact the world around us. Can we consciously direct the use of this energy field not only to dictate how they influence our environment, but to bring about healing? With us to delve into this fascinating possibility is Sandy Edwards. Sandy is the author of Spiritual Healing in Hospitals and Clinics, Scientific Evidence that Energy Medicine Promotes Speedy Recovery and Positive Outcomes. She trained to be a spiritual healer with a non-religious UK-based charity. She instigated the largest medical research trial of spiritual healing in the world. She worked as a volunteer healer alongside of a top consultant at a general hospital in Birmingham, UK. Her website, healinginahospital.uk. Sandy, thanks for joining us on Mission Evolution. Thank you for inviting me. It's wonderful to be here. So your bio says you trained to be a spiritual healer with a non-religious UK-based uh, charity. Would you please tell us more about your training? Yes. I uh, First of all, I had no sign of a natural healing ability. And yet I decided that I must become a spiritual healer. And with one telephone call, I, I went on to their first training and I had no sign, no sensitivity to the energies and to the experiences that the other trainees were having. And yet, from the beginning, the people that I practiced on reported the same kind of improvements as anybody else was getting from their patients. So it was a really amazing time for me to think that 
just moving your hands around somebody could possibly make a difference. And the way that we're trained is to um, move your hands around the body of a person, starting above the head and through the energy centers of the body, and then along the skeletal system. So Sandy, Sandy, let me interrupt you for a minute. So who were these people that trained you? Um, What are their credentials? The Healing Trust was established in 1954 in the UK. It's one of the oldest organizations probably in the world, I don't know. But healing was against the law until then. It was uh, underneath the uh, Witchcraft Act because oh, anything you mean spirit, spiritual healing, not just healing in general. Well, any any kind of uh, thing to do with mediumship or psychic ability or anything was against the law, and so this was spiritual practices. But it's natural; anybody can do it. If I can do it, anybody can do it. Have those and have those laws changed now, Sandy? That changed in 1953 or four, and that was when uh, the spiritual healing organizations then started opening up. And um, so this is the oldest and probably the largest uh, around. And initially, it invited anybody. But over time, it was found that it was necessary to have proper training uh, standards And so now, and for many years, with the Healing Trust, it has been a case of the trainers are accredited by the Healing Trust. They have to um, meet many different standards to become tutors. And as trainees, there's a minimum training period of two years. That may have changed, might have reduced a little since my training, that I trained in 1998, So in that time, some things may have changed, but it's minimum training period of uh, two years back then, and it won't be much less now, Uh, but there's um, accredited tutors, a national curriculum, code of conduct, disciplinary procedures. It's to professional standards, and I I like that idea because then it can be used anywhere. So you say that you have no sign of natural healing ability. What drew you to want to be a spiritual healer? What, what, what prompted you? I had been looking for a way to resolve psoriasis, an embarrassing, flaky, itchy uh, skin complaint on the scalp. And it had been with me since teens. And the only thing you can have from conventional medication is steroid cream, which I didn't want. And that's not pretty in your hair. So I was looking then at complementary therapies, tried everything. And eventually someone said I should be a healer because spiritual energy was within me that wasn't being used in a productive way. So by me being a healer, it would use that energy in uh, a useful, beneficial way for myself and others. Wonderful. So we'll, we'll get more into this mysterious energy that uh, we're, we keep running across um, a little bit later in the interview. But for now, you worked as a, a volunteer healer alongside a top consultant at a general hospital in, in the UK. At which hospital and who was the consultant? 
Well, um, when I qualified to be a healer, it occurred to me that it would be good to have a voluntary healing group near to where I live. There are lots of them dotted around the UK and maybe other countries, but the more the better, I thought. So I applied for a lottery grant that had never been done before to open up a voluntary healing group and I was successful. So that was in 2000 and five years, six years after we opened, a lady came for healing who was uh, teamed up with me. I hadn't seen her before and it didn't mention on her card who, how she'd found out about us. And I always like that to be mentioned so that if I'd wanted to promote the group, find new people to come for healing, I'd have an idea which avenue to go down. So I asked how she found out about us and I was amazed that she'd been sent by her consultant at the hospital. So I found out who he was and wrote him a letter offering to give healing free of charge to his patients at the hospital. So of course I mentioned all of those professional standards we adhere to and also that we don't prescribe, we don't diagnose, we don't manipulate. There's nothing we could do that could harm his patients. And also I mentioned two healers in the organization who were paid employees as healers in hospitals in Britain, one in so, London. So who was he in which hospital? He, his name was um, Dr. Sukhdev Singh, gastroenterology physician at Good Hope Hospital in Birmingham, UK. That's a state hospital, big hospital. And he was always on the lookout for ways to help his patients because not all patients could be helped by medical means. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? So uh, what is, here, here we go into energy medicine, what is energy medicine exactly? I don't think anybody really knows what it is. And even if they do think they do, it's not possible probably to prove it. And the research trial that came from the uh, work I did at the hospital wasn't interested in the mechanics. It was interested in whether it helped people. And it's the same for me using a television. I don't know how it works. I just know that it does. So I'm happy to use it. So I don't know really, but the, the way that I work and the way that we're trained is to hook into what we think is the energy of the universe. So the power of the earth and the power of the heavens above coming through us and being channeled through to the patient. Whether so that's Sandy, true, I don't know. How do, you, how do you hook into that? The way I imagine is that there are roots growing from our feet, golden roots of light that are driving deep into the core's earth and pulling up, just not pulling in a, a forceful way, but that the energy from the earth comes up through my body and out through my head and around, creating a cocoon of golden white light. And then equally from the heavens coming down so that there's what I think of as female energy from the earth and mother earth and male energy from the cosmos. So I'm standing in a column of light, feeling as joyful as I possibly can, and then making contact with whoever I'm working with. And we don't have to touch anybody even. We're trained not to touch 
actually. But so I prefer it, to work with touch. It's, it sounds like you're using the electromagnetic field, which is scientifically proven, that surrounds the human body. And through your consciousness and your intent, tuning in with something larger. Does that sound right to you? It feels absolutely correct to me. And I think it must be the passion behind the intent for the healing of others that uh, has the beneficial effect, partly. So if um, you're not in a good way, that's going to pollute the energy that you're bringing through. Is this correct? We work, uh, healers are you know, encouraged. I'm- I'm sorry. sorry. I wasn't watching the time. We have to go for a break. And I want to answer that question on the other side of a quick commercial break. Sandy and I will return shortly, so don't go away. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. We're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. again. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. We're dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. With us this hour discussing the viability of spiritual healing is Sandy Edwards. Her website, healinginahospital.uk. Sandy, I so rudely interrupted you trying to um, explain. Would you continue with our conversation? Yes, I was about to say that uh, it really is important for a healer to be as healthy as they possibly can be in mind, body, and emotions. And it's definitely a work in progress for anyone to keep as positive as they can, no matter what is occurring in their life. And I must say I'm blessed with good health. So being able to set aside any um, angst you happen to be coming to the session with, that's a real skill. Do they teach that in the school? It is something that is very much uh, focused on for us to self-heal as uh, as well as um, eat well and sleep well. And I did have problems with sleeping through stress, and I therefore uh, developed a CD that's to help people uh, sleep well and get well while they sleep. And that's on my website to download by anybody. So if uh, the practitioner has to first be in decent shape themselves, does that mean that you have to kind of stay in process, um, always work with your own emotions and what comes up for you um, in order to be an effective healer? Yes, I think it's really important. I think it is paramount for a healer. You need to lead by example and people suffer with so many different things 
whether it's relationships or physical problems, emotions, the way they're thinking, depression. There's so many different ways that people can suffer. And if we can lead by example, by focusing on the good in our lives and keeping our minds focused on the positive, the, those emotions only come as a result of our thoughts. So our thoughts are where it matters. That's, I think, the primary so does spiritual healing differ from faith healing? And if so, how? Faith healing is where you have to have faith in whatever it is that you're being treated with. And I have to point out that working at the hospitals, particularly so many highly skeptical people there, they didn't look for healing. It was that Dr. Singh suggested to them that they might like to try a healing session with me. And my room was only next door to his. It was easy for them to just take those 10 steps around the corner, didn't cost them anything. It was recommended by a top consultant. They had no reason to say no. And people don't like to say no. And some people told me point blank that they didn't need healing. It wasn't going to do them any good. All they needed was more medication. But after 20 minutes, which is all it takes for a healing session, they had a different <laughs> thing to say. It was delightful. I love it when people are skeptical. I don't love it because it's uh, a competition or anything, just that they've been able to open their heart and their mind to a new way. And it does make sense that there's more than one science going on in the same space. We all know about Newtonian physics. That's all about what we can see, feel, hear. But quantum physics exists as well. Quantum physicists know that that exists. It's behaving in a completely different way. And that is happening, has to be in the exact same space. So I think the work we're doing is in the quantum fields. That's my view. And it helps me keep positive. So the, the uh, techniques that you've learned help you direct the quantum field to affect a change in your client? I believe that uh, by generating the most joy and abundance and feel-good factor in my own self, I'm like a tuning fork. When you have a tuning fork that you strike, another one that's at rest that hasn't been touched in the same room, it will pick up the vibration from the air and sound the same note. So I think that is what we're doing. And so if we're a, not, it doesn't form, matter. It's a form of attunement, basically. Yes. So whatever... Um, you're aligned to within yourself, be it grumpy and negative or positive and hopeful, is what's going to be coming through you to your client. That's a lot of responsibility. It is a good responsibility, though. And I think it's so great for us to keep focused, have that responsibility. And the more responsibility, the more health you have, the more responsibilities you end up having, actually. So <laughs> the more healthy we are, the more healthy I can be, the better it is for me and for everyone around me. Even if I couldn't focus on it for my own good, I can focus on all these positive things for the good of my children and for eventually maybe their children, who knows. But getting that um, motivation to really be powerfully charged for positive intention, 
for this moment now. This moment now is the only moment there is. The past is gone. The future never arrives. There's, you can't be living in the past. You can't be living in the past and you can't be alive in the future. So only now has life. So uh, what you're saying there, if I'm correct, is that you have to be present in the moment to do the work effectively. Otherwise, yes. you're not available to channel the energy. I think so. I think so. And because I'm so positively intent on that, I feel magnificent during doing a healing session. Yeah, so I was going win, to win. I was going <laughs> to I was going to ask you that does not the same energy that you're channeling through you impact you as well? Absolutely. It would be like having a, a water coming through the tap. The tap delivers the water. But by doing so, the pipes and the tap inside become wet as well. So I think, yes, it's a win win. And that's so how it people, should be. If people were to learn even the first part of this technique that teaches you how to be present in the moment and to channel positive energy into the world, wouldn't that affect them personally in their healing? They wouldn't have to be healing healers completely themselves, but just to learn the first part of the technique, would that be um, positive for their health and well-being? Most certainly. And this is something I do suggest to people. You don't have to go healing the world. If you were to just learn parts one and two of the healing um, training courses, then of from the healing trust, then that would equip you for your own self and for your nearest and dearest. When you go on to the further courses, you're dealing with everything and anything in the public. But for parts one and two, you would be able to do everything you need for your own self and your own family and your pets and your plants. When you're, when you're working with someone that's extremely ill, possibly very discouraged and very negative, does there sometimes come a point when you feel like you're getting drugged down more than you're offering something good? And if so, what do you do about that? I haven't ever felt dragged down by anyone, actually, because it's empathy that we're looking for instead of sympathy. And the difference being that if you give sympathy to someone, they're down in the pit, you get down in the pit with them. With empathy, you're at the top holding a rope down for them to climb up or a ladder for them to come up on. So that's how I'm viewing it, that this is a wonderful opportunity for them to release all of that baggage, to let go of all of that unhelpful thoughts and feelings that have built up so much to cause them the physical issues that they've come along with. And when you think of all of that sinking down into the earth, which is how I imagine it, I'm thinking of it being like compost for Mother Earth to make more beautiful things with, which is what compost does. So it's, it's transmutation at its finest, yes? Yes, yes, absolutely. We're about out of time in this segment, but do you find it a little more challenging to work with someone that has similar issues to your own? And how do you deal with that? I actually don't feel I have any issues. <laughs> I do. I don't think I do, really. Ah, Sandy, I you've don't. arrived. You're my first. <laughs> well, I suppose that I, I do enjoy. I try to, I do my best to enjoy everything as much as I possibly can. And I do laugh a lot. Laughter is wonderful. And I listen to wonderful uh, facilitators on the internet. There are so many powerfully positive facilitators that it costs nothing to tune in and um, 
learn from other people. It brings the joy into your being more and more. If you read books or joke books even, um, whatever it is that makes you feel positive. And uh, ones that I can recommend are in my book. Um, they're free so, to hear. So Sandy, what's the difference between spiritual healing, Reiki and therapeutic touch? And again, I'm running us real close to the end of the segment. So we can finish right. up on the other side if need be. I uh, did do Reiki one and two just to see what the difference is between that and uh, the healing trust way of things. It is much simpler with the healing trust method. It's very, very simple. It's being complicated in my view by the Reiki way, but Reiki itself is a Japanese word for spiritual healing essentially. So if it still produces the positive results, which is given evidence by the research trial and the hundreds of other trials that I've mentioned in my book, then that, but those trials also include Reiki. And, uh, but Reiki, the benefit of Reiki is that it has been so popular that more is, is easy to uh, learn, join a training for Reiki. Therapeutic touch is a, an American method. Well, as, prom as promised, I'm going to have to interrupt you. We'll pick up on therapeutic touch on the other side of a commercial break. Sandy and I will return shortly, so you stay there. This is Mission Evolution. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. This is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. Our guest this hour is Sandy Edwards. We're speaking about energy medicine. Her website, healinginahospital.uk. Sandy, we were getting into the other forms of healing and comparing them to the, uh, the healing that you've been talking about. We just got done talking about Reiki and you were going into therapeutic touch. Would you continue, please? I haven't read much about therapeutic touch and the my uh, small amount of delving into it suggests that it does include psychic ability and maybe even mediumship. And in our training, we don't do any of that. We only, it is wonderful. I'm sure it is very helpful to have those uh, qualities, those um, gifts, but I've not been interested in developing those. And our training is only to deliver healing. That's our only remit. And the way I think is I don't want to know anybody else's business anyway. So if someone is troubled by something and then they have to tell me about it, they're having to remember it. And I can't see that that helps them particularly. I'm not saying that happens with therapeutic touch. All I'm saying that way, the way we do things we don't need to know what the matter is with somebody at all. 
we just do the healing, the whole body, even if someone comes with a poorly hand, we don't just do the hand, we do the whole body every time. And we might focus on the hand later on. But do you find do you find that the body has an intelligence of its own when it comes to moving this energy, that it'll take the energy you're offering to where it needs it the most? I think that is how it is. And that's why we need to leave our, our ego out of it completely. It can be tempting to roll up our sleeves and say, right, I'm going to get this leg working. But that would be our ego getting involved. The higher intelligence within the physical body knows best. Every, something else knows better than we do. And so I just stand back, deliver the healing, and that's how we're trained. And I've seen the evidence of it time and time again, even if the person is totally skeptical, doesn't believe in it at all. Well, I'm so glad to hear you say that because, you know, I think one of the major pitfalls of spiritual healing is the healer doesn't know where their responsibility and their training ends. In other words, they'll start sliding into counseling without any training in counseling. And, and it's easy to do because you're talking to a person about their stuff, you know, getting them ready to have a healing. Um, and it, it's so difficult to stay out of that arena. And so if you have that attitude of, I just move this energy, your body knows what to do with it. I don't have to know. That really takes, takes you off the hot seat and protects you from sliding into an arena that you aren't trained for. Is, yeah. is that part of the, the purpose there? I agree that it's counseling takes years to uh, train for and it takes a long time to have an effect and then it's hit and miss whether it does work or not. There's research to show the outcomes of that. Anyway, I leave that back to uh, uh, not having to ask someone what their trouble is. Some people are ashamed of their past or the things that they've done or what caused them to have this physical issue. And they don't want to divulge that information. It's not, it's not my job to know it. And I would my bedside manner actually is hopeless. And they <laughs> wouldn't want me to have a conversation with them particularly. <laughs> my bedside manner is more like get a grip and pull yourself together. So <laughs> it's much better that I don't get involved in conversation. So um, let's back up a little bit. How long has spiritual healing been around? What's, what's the history of it? Are you aware? Thousands of years. If you were to take the most well-known healer, the most famous of all would have to be Jesus. And he, uh, he taught by, he led by, any great leader leads by example. And he taught, according to the Bible, he showed 70 or more people how to do healing and sent them off to different parts of the known world at that time to go and train other people. And it must have been that they were training other people because otherwise healing would have died out with their demise. And well, well, every... the spiritual, spiritual healing or energy healing has been practiced by shaman for between 50 and 60,000 years. So that predates Christ. even. Yes. Yes. Every culture around the world has a healing tradition, but I'm, I'm more familiar with, the most famous one as an individual, to my knowledge, would be uh, Jesus. Hmm. So how prevalent is spiritual healing in hospitals and clinics at this point? Very rare, very rare. I was very blessed to uh, be um, in, allowed to do healing with Dr. Singh at the hospital. And when I first began work there uh, as a volunteer, people were 
really surprised to be offered spiritual healing, but they did agree to have a session, only 20 minutes, and then I would give them uh, a leaflet about our voluntary group, which wasn't far away, so they could go for subsequent sessions there if they wished. But nobody, hardly anybody did. People were afraid to go anywhere else but in the hospital. And because they were saying such great things about their healing session, the pain had reduced or they felt really um, uh, untroubled after this 20-minute uh, session, I asked Dr. Singh if I could uh, create a questionnaire to put to capture that information in writing. So he agreed and I put a questionnaire together and created this hospital audit that the hospital agreed as well that this was good. So uh, by auditing what these people were saying, it was evident that most people were not only benefiting in that 20 minutes, but one week later, they were still retaining benefit far and above what they would have expected. In fact, uh, one boy, uh, Dr. Singh doesn't normally see children, but he was asked by a, a pediatrician to look at this young man who'd been ill for a very long time. Very intelligent boy, but he wasn't able to go to school. He loved school, but he was in such pain with his stomach. He said it felt like he was on fire and the fire was coming up through his body. He couldn't uh, get out of bed or eat. So Dr. Singh couldn't uh, give him anything different to what the pediatrician had offered and it wasn't helping him much. So he had one healing session with me and in that 20 minutes, the whole problem disappeared and he never had a return of it. Um, the last time I heard of him, which was probably nine years later. So in that that's, one 20 minutes. That's, that's pretty fascinating. What goes on in that 20 minutes? Would you give us a sh short synopsis of what it looks like? Uh, people can keep their entire clothing on, their coat, their hat, their shoes, anything they want. And they can lie down on a couch as most people did at the hospital because there was one. Or they can sit in an ordinary chair, just the same. And uh, like I mentioned before, I'm just working around the body to, give, to begin with. And then I use a light touch just down the joints of the arms and legs. And that's it. Do you, move energy, do you move energy between your hands um, as you're moving on the body? Are your hands communicating with each other? No, I had no indication that anything was occurring for many, many years. And other healers, especially people training, have been surprised that I would have no sense of what's happening to anybody. No images, no signs in my hands, nothing until many years later. And then I, what was happening was when I took my hands away from someone, my fingernails would click sometimes, an audible click. And I would take that as a meaning that I should go back to that part of the body until it was uh, not clicking anymore. And I had confirmation that what I was thinking was correct when um, an elderly gentleman came for healing at the voluntary group, he'd never had any such thing before. His wife accompanied him. And unusually, she sat next to us while I was working every time. And when I took my hands away, his eyes were closed. But when I took my hands away and my fingernails clicked, he was aware of um, brilliant light 
behind his closed eyelids, brilliant light. And I don't remember now how it worked, but he could see that uh, light until my hands came away. Was that right? If I remember correctly, but if he could, his wife was able to communicate with him afterwards and whether he was able to tell from the touch of my hands on his body, or if I was away from the body, it was the same, this brilliant light each time I was working in an area. And when I took my hands away and they clicked, sometimes they even crackle. And then I put my hands back. That was when I realized it was true that it was uh, light and transformation occurring through this energy. Pretty fascinating that you couldn't even uh, weren't aware of it for years and yet working with it. Is that, um, isn't that kind of hard to stick with if you don't have any awareness that anything's going on and you're just having to wait for the person to say something? Actually, people don't always say something. The only time I would ask was because I was doing this audit. And when I was first training, I was amazed that people were benefiting. And I would say, I would ask them questions, but we're trained. The trainer put me right and said, the only thing you okay to ask is how did that feel for you? So if the person wants to share anything, they can. But I was so fascinated. I was wanting to find out what were they experiencing what happened and it's well, we'll, uh, have, we'll have to get into what what they were experiencing and what did happen on the other side of a short commercial break sandy and i will be back to continue our discussion so don't you go away this is mission evolution for more information or to listen to past archive episodes visit our website www.missionevolution.org Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. This hour, we're sharing thoughts with Sandy Edwards. Her website, healinginahospital.uk. Sandy, we were talking about the effect people were experiencing from the work and were willing to share um, with you. And what what were the most common effects um, outside of, you know, improving how they felt, but like the light shining or this or that, where they were getting actual evidence that something was going on? The deep sense of uh, peace and tranquility was an overriding factor at the hospital. The way that I believe people feel ill and have symptoms, disorders, is because they're stressed or worried, it's um, the mental activity that's negative that's working to create the physical dis-ease. And that's where we get the word dis-ease. So bringing home that sense of deep peace and ease is a primary thing that people notice. But pain relief 
results from that. There's research to show that in, I was thinking that when people stop feeling pain, then they feel uplifted. But actually, it's the other way about. People feel uplifted, then don't have the pain that they've been suffering with. So it's well worth learning to be joyful, laugh as much as you can. And uh, those facilitators that I mentioned on the internet are very useful for those, uh, those kind of elements. So you, you uh, instigated a research trial of spiritual healing. Tell us about the research trial. What was that? The timing was amazing because just a few weeks after I began work at the hospital, I'd started working with this audit. Uh, so the hospital audit. And I started work in the September. And in I'm sorry, November, ba let's back up a little bit. What, what is a hospital audit? The audit was the questionnaire that I put together that gathered the information that the patients were uh, benefiting from this 20-minute session. And okay, also, so, so the evidence is, is um, objective. Yes, that was the hospital audit that just I was doing. And uh, a couple of months after I started doing that, there was an announcement by the National Lottery that they were offering research money for grants, uh, research that would be difficult to get money for, and that definitely would tick the box for spiritual healing, <laughs> and for projects that would help people. And my audit now proved or gave evidence that uh, it would help people tick that box as well, and also that people wanted. And one of the last questions on my audit was, if you were able to be, if we were able to offer a series of healing sessions here at the hospital, would you be interested? And the majority said yes. So that ticked all three boxes for applying for this research money. It had never been offered before by the lottery and it has never been offered since. They said they would never do this again. So the timing is amazing. Why, why weren't they ever going to do it again? I don't know. I don't know why not, but they did say so. And so doctors, did, it have, did, did it have anything to do with you or your subject matter or just they weren't going to do the audit anymore? Uh, the audit was something I was doing. This was my own work, but the lottery was wanting research that's proper uh, research by a top university um, uh, or research establishment that would make a difference to people and could, be, uh, could change the way that um, health providers uh, do their work in the future. So this was definitely a possibility. So Dr. Singh, as it transpired, was also a senior lecturer at the medical school of the University of Birmingham. And the University of Birmingham in, in, in England is a Russell University. A Russell Group University is the same as the Ivy League in the States. So it's the cream of universities. And he convinced them to get on board with this and the other parties that were necessary to make an application. And despite the massive amount of competition for this research money, we got it, £205,000. And it meant that we were able to recruit 200 um, hospital patients who'd been sick for a very long time with diseases or a syndrome that they're not um, able to offer a conventional cure for. Traditional medicine cannot cure these conditions. And they'd been suffering for a long time 
100 people with irritable bowel syndrome that affects 10% of the population in the UK. And the other 100 were inflammatory bowel disease people that affects 0.1% of the UK population. So when, and they're when debilitating. All, when all was said and done, did um, was there medical evidence of the effect of the spiritual healing? Yes, this is uh, this is this research in, involved three major questionnaires for each of those patients, and there was a quantitative research using those questionnaires, and there was also a qualitative study. So there's two research papers that came out of this, as I say, from a top university in the UK, which is going to be. Russell Group, it's going to be cream of the world's universities in that case, Ivy League and Russell Group are up there. And so, so you not only had in evidence by the time the study was done, what the patients had said themselves, but also the patients had been examined by medical professionals and the difference was shown as a result of the healing? No, these are questionnaires, they're completed by the patients. And um, it was the main focus was whether adding healing to adding spiritual healing to conventional uh, treatment, their normal conventional treatment, improved people's lives. And it most definitely did. Most definitely well, it, did. It did by, by the um, um, forms you were having them fill out, but there wasn't any medical evidence um, that came up in the study. Is that correct? This is the medical evidence because the patients knew that they've got fewer symptoms. Um, no, by, by, medical, by medical evidence, I mean, they do an MRI, they do this, they do that. They have, they have empirical medical studies that have shown that there is a physical difference in the person rather than just subjective as to how the person feels. Yes, that's true. There were a hundred people with IBS of different uh, uh, intensities and also of the uh, colitis and the Crohn's people, different um, intensities of all of them. It's across the board. But the number of people, that's the biggest trial there can be, I would imagine. It, it is the biggest there is. That, and who's going to pay for another one? But the quality of life, the symptoms were all reduced. And there was one person, actually, uh, who's mentioned in my book who had colitis, ulcerative colitis, and he'd been suffering for many years and none of the uh, conventional medicine actually helped him. He had five sessions on the research trial and by chance, and those were all with me as it turned out, there were a, a different healers involved in the trial. And by chance, he had another five sessions with me after the trial, way after the trial had finished. And then being of an age, particular age, he had to, didn't have to, but he was invited to have a test for the colon. And through having that investigation, he did have medical conf confirmation that he no longer had ulcerative colitis. You never get rid of it. Yeah, that's known. That's, you that's never get rid of it. It did for him. That's yes. impressive. So, Sandy, what, what is your vision for the future of spiritual healing? What I would love to see is spiritual healing being offered as the norm in any hospital or any GP surgery. We can, a surgery is what we say in England, but it's um, you, the doctor's office in the States. So at, um, at any doctor's uh, 
place where he works and in hospitals. I would love to see spiritual healing being offered as a norm um, so that people have the confidence to be able to try it. What's the harm? There were, out of all of those people that I saw at the hospital and the ones on the trial, um, nobody had an adverse effect. So it's completely safe. And by training properly, people can be natural healers, but it's really important to train properly. So you're not using your own energies, that you're not getting your own ego involved and that you're doing it the most effective, safe way possible. Well, Sandy, unfortunately, we're about out of time. What, what is your mission? My mission <laughs> is to bring the awareness of this research to everybody so that we can make healing available um, at home, people giving healing to their own selves and to their loved ones. And because we do that, it improves society as a whole. It improves the world as a whole. It's only win, win and win. Positive mental attitude brings about positive physical and then out in the world. Yeah, it, it sounds does. like it sounds like bringing that light into the world isn't going to hurt anything either. Absolutely. There are no ill effects from healing. That's for sure. Done the right way. Well, Sandy, it's been a real pleasure spending time with you and a very interesting study. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing it with us. Thank you very much indeed for inviting me. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. You bet. Our guest this hour has been Sandy Edwards, the author of Spiritual Healing in Hospitals and Clinics, Scientific Evidence that Energy Medicine Promotes Speedy Recovery and Positive Outcomes. Her website, healinginahospital.uk. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. For more information or to listen to past archived episodes, visit www.missionevolution.org. Be sure to join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world.